I just want to say thank you for uh, the warmth of your hospitality. Uh, just the uh, spirit that's been in the room as we have gathered, as you've come to worship and to hear from the Lord. And uh, pastor, thank you. Appreciate your pastor's heart. And uh, Michael, thank you and all the staff and all the team. Uh, it's been a blessing for us to be here and kind of hard to believe that uh, this time tomorrow we'll be getting on an airplane, but uh, we've enjoyed our time here. Uh, I want to uh, talk about something tonight and focus on something that's become very important to me over the last years of my life, um, especially since uh, grandchildren have come along. But I want to take you back to my childhood. When I was about four or five years old, I spent time uh, with both sets of my grandparents because of my parents' work schedule. I was uh, in my grandparents' home overnight many times. I had a grandfather who was a pastor, pastored small churches in the area where we lived. And I was spending the night at his house. I had a, my grandfather was probably a little taller than me and my grandmother was kind of like this. And, uh, well, my grandmother loved to, to, to share about Jesus. She, she just at any moment would tell you about what Jesus meant to her. So I was in their house and I had gone to bed. They had a very small house and three bedrooms that were all kind of off a, a common foyer. And I was asleep and something woke me up. And I could hear voices in the bedroom next door, which was my grandparents' bedroom. And so I laid there and began to listen. And my grandparents were praying. And later I would realize that that's something they did every night on their knees by their bed. They would pray. And they were praying out loud to the Lord. And as I began to listen, they began to pray for their grandchildren. And they prayed for their grandchildren by name, one by one, and asked God to do specific things in the life of their grandchildren. Well, I tell you, when they got to my name, I paid attention. Because they were crying out to God for me. That's the first recollection I ever have of someone talking to God about me. My grandparents probably didn't think about it this way, but they were doing what Ezekiel says is standing in the gap on behalf of their family and their grandchildren. They were, they were, they were building a uh, spiritual legacy and, um, do I need to do something to, there it is, there we go. <laughs> they were, they were building a, a spiritual legacy. And, uh, since Richard did this this morning, I thought I would show you my grandchildren tonight. Uh, that's my wife with her head kind of poked through the middle there. And she's holding our youngest grandson who is almost three years old. 
And our oldest grandson, who's almost 15, is holding the little girl. We have one princess among all the grandchildren. But as I have had grandchildren of my own, I've begun to reflect on what my grandparents were doing for us as their grandchildren. They were building a spiritual legacy. They didn't have much money. So when they died, there was not an inheritance of money. But what they were doing was building a legacy. You see, an inheritance is something that we leave for others, but a legacy is what we leave in them, what we deposit in their lives. No one remembers any of my grandfather's sermons and no one remembers any of my grandmother's testimonies anymore, except maybe a few of their uh, grandchildren. But many, many people have been impacted by my grandparents' five grandsons who became pastors and been pastors for over 50 years and all of their family members who have served the Lord faithfully and well in the churches where they have been members. You see, at the end of our life, our deeds will soon be forgotten. Our positions that we held or any recognitions that we might have received while we were living will be meaningless. Our legacy will be told through the people God placed in our lives. And those he called us to impact and influence. As I began to think about that in my own life, God brought me to a verse of scripture. Interestingly enough, the first person that I ever heard talk about this in detail was Henry Blackaby. (laughs) Uh, It's Isaiah 59, verse 21. It's a word from our covenant-making and covenant-keeping God. He is speaking to his people. And he says, as for me, this is my covenant with them. And the them, God is referring to his people. He's referring to you and me today as followers of Jesus. My spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth... And here's the promise, shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time forevermore. I think God is saying to us that the most important influence that you and I can have is in our own family. To invest the gospel, to invest the truth of God's word into the next generation. I want to reference several scriptures real quickly. Maybe you can jot these down and uh, study them sometime in your quiet time. In Psalm 78, give ear, O my people. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable and I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and look at this, which our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, telling to the generations to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. 
For he has established a testimony in Jacob, appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. Do you see a pattern? We are to make them known to the next generations, the things of God, that the generation to come might know them. The children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children. There's the generational again. Why do we do that? Verse 7. That they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And may not be like their fathers. You see, we are always just one generation away from a faithless generation, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. And in this passage, it's very clear in several verses, in several places, that we should make known the truth of God to our children and then to their children, to the grandchildren, and to the next generation's. In this passage in verse 4, that we would not hide them from our children. The Bible is teaching us that the priority of passing along faith to the next generation does not necessarily rest in the church, but rest in the home. You're familiar with the passage of scripture from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. And I added my own version and when you're driving in the car. At all times we are to be ready to make known to our children and our grandchildren the truth of God and the words of God. There's a passage of scripture in Ephesians that affects me as a father. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. In some translations it says, do not exasperate your children but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord, the instruction of the Lord. I've thought about that verse, and as I've just sat in front of that verse and asked God to teach me what that meant, here's here's a picture he gave me. I have two girls. They're now 40 years old and 36 years old. Have five grandchildren. You know, one of the best ways to frustrate or to bring your children to anger is to fail to prepare them for what they will face in the world. When they face things that are unfamiliar to them and they face things that come against the gospel and the truth of God and they have not been taught that in the home and taught why that is true and taught how to live out their faith, It can be very exasperating to them. Why did my parents not tell me? Why did my grandparents not take time to sit down with me and walk through God's word and help me know what's right and wrong? So see, especially us fathers have a responsibility 
to our children, to our grandchildren, to be intentional about sharing our faith. There's a passage of scripture that I've been looking at recently, and I don't have time to unpack that passage tonight. But in Ezekiel chapter 33, the first 11 verses of Ezekiel 33 talk about being a watchman on a wall. It talked about literally the watchman standing guard on the walls of a city to watch for the enemy to come. But God's been using that verse in my life to highlight my role and define my role as a, as a father and a grandfather. The implications that God has made me a watchman on the wall of my family. Have you ever thought about yourself that way? That God has placed you as a watchman on the wall of your children's lives and your grandchildren's lives. And the implications making me sensitive to words and conversations and opportunities to speak into the lives of my children and my grandchildren. You see, the greatest single influence that you and I can have, the most important aspect of the legacy that we leave behind us is being part of intentionally raising up the next generations to follow Christ, to live God-honoring lives. I love what Henry Blackaby says. He said, I want to live my life in such a manner that my children and my grandchildren would want to follow and serve the God they see their father and their grandfather following and serving. And Richard can say this so much better than me, but all five of Henry's children are in ministry and serving the Lord. All 14 of his grandchildren know the Lord and are following the Lord, many of them already in ministry. So as we build a legacy, let me just share three things that uh, are important to my wife and I as we think about the next generations. We build a legacy by going first. I talked about this a little bit with when I talked about spiritual leaders, the influence of spiritual leaders, that whatever we would want to see God do in the lives of our children and grandchildren, we ask him to do it in us first. And I never had to look very far for that kind of example in my life. I shared a little bit already this weekend about my father, about my father's faith and and my dad's desire to follow the Lord. He had an encounter with God when I was about 10 years old that changed his life. But my dad, after that, dad always went first. He was always first in line to worship, first in line to learn, first in line to to lead our men in praying and studying God's word. The last few years of my father's life, he suffered from congestive heart failure. So he was very weak. And especially the last two years of his life, he would have to go into the hospital frequently and they would drain literally pounds of fluid out of my father's out of my father's body. Then he would leave the hospital and a month or two later he would go back and they would drain some more and eventually uh that took his life. I remember I was a pastor and my my church was three and a half hour drive from my parents. I'm an only child. And so my parents it, they looked to me to be of help. And so my dad was in and out of the hospital and as often as I could, I would leave my church and go and be with my parents and be at the hospital with them. 
But on this one particular occasion, I couldn't be there. And my father had been in the hospital for a couple of days. And I was scheduled to lead the Bible study on Wednesday night at our church. My, my father was getting out of the hospital that afternoon, so I wanted to check on my father. So I called his house and no one answered. And so I called again and no one answered. So I kept calling and no one answered. So I called the hospital and I said, could you give me Mr. Fisher's room? In just a moment, they came back and said, Mr. Fisher has checked out. He's not here. Well, my first thought as a son was, where is he? And so I called home and still couldn't get them. So it was time for me to teach Bible studies. So I taught the Bible studies. So as soon as I could get back to my office, I picked up the phone and called again. No answer. About nine o'clock that night, my dad answered the phone. Now, I don't know if you, as an adult child, I don't know if you've ever done this to your parents like they used to do it to you. But the first thing I said was, where have you been? And dad said, well, we've been at the Bible study and the prayer time at church and we stayed for choir practice. I said, dad, you're sick. You're weak. You need to be home. Now, <laughs> lecturing my father. And here's what my dad said to me and I'll never forget it. He said, Rick, I needed to be with God's people. See, he went first. That was the example in my life that it was important to take care of your spiritual health. The second thing that uh, I would encourage you to do is the parenting and grandparenting is to enlist allies, to enlist helpers. Um, there's a wonderful passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, uh, there's a great picture of uh, the body of Christ, beginning in verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophet, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. And look at this, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built, and what's that word? Together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. We were blessed all of the time that we raised our girls before they got married. We had people in our lives who loved our girls. And we would let our girls spend time with those people because we know those people didn't only love our girls, they loved the Lord. So our girls would be in good hands. Our girls would be under good influence. One of the tragic things that happened in my ministry is I would have couples who would come to me to receive counseling. And they would come and many times they would share about their children. That their children were struggling and their children were running from God and that there was great pain and great frustration in their life because of their children. And I would listen to them and then I would ask them one question. I would look at those parents who were struggling about their children, who were seeking what they could do to help their kids. And I would ask them, 
who is praying for you and with you. And the tragedy was that many times the parents would say, oh, pastor, we don't want anybody to know what's going on. We would be embarrassed. And I would say to them, you mean that your pride as a parent is going to stand in the way of you getting the help you need for your kids? of having them covered in prayer. You see, we are a family. When you look around this room tonight, when we finish and you begin to leave this room, you are leaving family. This is family. We need each other in the body of Christ more so than any other time in history so that we all can be a family to raise up the next generations to follow the Lord. When I was a child... My parents were part of a church that had a lot of other adults the same age of my parents, so there were a lot of kids my age. And I want to tell you, I could not get away with any bad behavior at all because the moment I did something wrong, if my parents weren't there, there were other parents who picked up the phone and said, guess what Rick did? We just wanted you to know. You see, they took responsibility for me. And my parents didn't get mad at them for that. My parents loved them for that. Because my parents knew those adults loved me. So we need each other. And then focus on what matters. As a parent, especially a grandparent, my oldest daughter... When she was a teenager, I thought that there were probably little animals living in her bedroom that I didn't know anything about. And the reason is because her floor was so covered with clothes and paper and stuff that you would never know what was living in there. She was a slob. And she was just messy with her room. So it really bothered me because I didn't like things to be messy. So I spent a lot of time telling my daughter to clean up her room. My youngest daughter didn't like to study. She thought that somehow she could just get by without ever opening the book, without ever doing her studies at home. And so that really frustrated me because I thought you ought to apply yourself and study. So I spent a lot of time in the teenage years of my daughters talking to them and trying to correct them about their room and their studies until one day I was praying and praying for my girls. And God impressed on me that the best thing I could do was close my mouth about the room and about the studies and focus on helping my girls and encouraging my girls. And you know what happened? Things all of a sudden got better. Our relationship got better. (laughs) And, And my oldest daughter, if you go to her house today... It's very neat, very orderly. She doesn't like for anything to be out of place. And my youngest daughter, she graduated from college with two degrees and she graduated with honors. That girl that never wanted to pick up a book. You see, when I got out of the way, God took care of it. When I focused on what mattered. So don't be so distracted by things that do not matter in your child's life that you fail to focus on what does matter. couple priorities that my wife had that mattered to us to intentionally teach our children and our grandchildren the word of God. 
especially with our grandchildren, we pray for teachable moments. Not long ago, my oldest grandson was at my house. We live on a farm, so there's room to walk around and exercise on the farm. So one morning I was walking and exercising and my grandson Thomas was riding his bike beside me. And my mother was there and she was walking as well, just kind of up and down the the main road. And as Thomas and I passed my mother, my mother said to me, because it was kind of cool, my mother says, son, don't you need a jacket? Don't you need to be wearing a coat? Of course, I started to say to her, mother, I'm 59 years old and I know when I need a a coat. But I didn't. I said, no, mom, I'm okay. In just a few moments, Thomas, my grandson, said to me, you know, Papa, isn't it nice that your mother loves you like that? I said, well, Thomas, it is nice that she loves me like that. Silence for another moment. And then Thomas said, you know, I wish I could be like that with my mother. Of course, he's talking about my daughter. (laughs) And I said, well, Thomas, let me tell you something that I read this morning in my quiet time. I had read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. You know what that says? Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what builds up, what edifies, what's necessary to edify and build up. And look at this, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And God really spoke to me that morning about my words. Am I a grace giver with my words? So I shared that verse with Thomas. You see, when God gives us a truth, parents and grandparents, it's not just for us, is it? It's for those God has called us to influence. And I shared that verse with him and I said, Thomas, I'm going to write it down on a card and I'm going to let you take it home so that when you're tempted to fuss with your mother, then you can pick up that verse and read it. Now, what he didn't know was I wrote it on another card and gave it to his mother too, so she would have it. One thing we're intentionally doing is we are writing a Bible study for our grandkids. I had the privilege just before I came to Nigeria to baptize my third grandson. I have had the privilege of baptizing the first two already. And so now it's his time to begin the Bible study. So we'll start giving it to him. And I remember a precious moment just a few months ago when I was in my oldest grandson's home and he and I sat down at the table And as a 14-year-old young man, we walked through part of that Bible study together. What a precious gift that was. Not only are we serious about teaching them God's word, but we are serious about being a prayer warrior for our grandchildren and our children. When my oldest grandson was born, as it has been with my other grandchildren, uh, God gave me a verse to pray for my grandson. He gave me a verse from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20. And in that, Paul says, O Timothy, guard what was committed to your trust. Avoid the profane and idle babblings and contradictions of what's falsely called knowledge. So you know how I pray that for my grandson? O Thomas, guard what was committed to your trust. Thomas, avoid the profane and idle babbling. We know that when we pray God's word to him for our children and grandchildren, we are agreeing with the heart of God. We're praying the heart of God back to him. 
And then often we pray for our children just on the spur of the moment. My wife uh, called my cell phone the other day and she said, are you at your office? And I said, yes. She said, can I stop by? I said, sure. So she stopped by my office and when she came in, I could tell that she was troubled. She said, can we just pray right now for our grandchildren? She said, God, it's just something in my heart says we've got to pray right now. So we just got down beside a chair in my office and just just cried out to the Lord. We didn't know what was going on and we still don't know what was going on. But, but God had called us at that moment. Don't fail to be sensitive to when you ought to pray for your children and your grandchildren. But I want to close with a, with a story of how God brought that all together in my life. This idea of what it means to pray for your children and your grandchildren and what it means to be intentional about passing on your faith. Our youngest daughter was 23 years old at the time. She was in university, just graduated from university, and she was working her first full-time job. She was living in our home for that year, and she was engaged to be married. Now, the challenge was she was engaged to be married to a young man that we did not think was honoring God and was not honoring our daughter. So it troubled my wife and I. But you see, our daughter had graduated from university and she had a job. And so she did not invite me to give her any advice. She was an adult. <laughs> and so I began to pray for her. I began to pray for that relationship. And God began to give me scripture passages and he began to give me truth to share with my daughter, and I began to write that down. And I remember saying to my, to, in my prayer one morning, I said, God, why don't you just stop telling this to me and just tell it to my daughter? He said to me, Rick, she's not ready to hear it yet, but you are. You see, that's a valuable truth for us as parents and grandparents. Sometimes our children and grandchildren may not be ready to hear God's truth, but God will give it to us so that we are ready to put it into their lives when they are ready to hear. And so time went on. The invitations were on the counter in our house, ready to be mailed, inviting people to the wedding. And I said to the Lord that morning, Father, I've got to tell my daughter about this relationship, even if it costs me my relationship with her. And so I determined that I was going to talk to her before the day was over. That night, I was sitting in my chair in my home. The front door of my house opened and in walked my youngest daughter. And she looked at me as only a daughter can look at her father. And she said, Dad, I need to talk to you. I'm going to sit down in that chair over there and I'm going to ask you some questions. And she pointed her finger at me and she said, you better tell me the truth. And she sat down in that chair and she began to ask me about that relationship. You see, God had been troubling her spirit while I was praying. And she began to ask me and for the next 30 minutes, I had a chance to pour into my daughter what God had given me for her. And uh, a few weeks later, she called my wife and I and she said, the wedding is off. It's not going to happen. 
And there she is today with a godly husband and three grandchildren of ours. Let me tell you what God taught me about legacy. What he taught me about praying for my family. First of all, praying for my daughter made me sensitive to what was on God's heart for my daughter. Secondly, God taught me that it, I must pray for my children and grandchildren because I never know when they're going to need a word from their dad or their grandfather. And wouldn't it be tragic if at that moment in my daughter's life she had walked into that house and she had asked her dad about the most important thing in her life at that moment and I would not have had anything to give her except my best thinking rather than a word from God because my best thinking would have robbed my daughter from God's best that moment. And then God also opened up a passage of scripture for me. Matthew seven eleven. It says simply, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I saw my heavenly father in a whole new picture out of that situation with my daughter. But here's the final thing that God taught me. Jeremiah chapter 33 verse 3 came alive to me in a brand new way. Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. You see, I didn't know what to do for my daughter. I had no clue how to help her. But I knew someone who did. And he was ready to give me things for my daughter that I just didn't know yet. And so I hope you have that picture of God, the Father, in your life. That he is leaning towards your life, ready for you to call to him. And he's prepared to answer and tell you great and wonderful and unsearchable and mighty things that you don't yet know. And many times it will be for your child or your grandchild. Would you pray with me? What a privilege it is to be able to partner with the God of the universe to fulfill his purposes that each generation will know the name of the Lord God, that each generation will give their lives to him. What a privilege to be able to partner with this covenant-making and covenant-keeping God who not only can build a spiritual legacy, but he can restore a broken legacy. So in light of what God's word says about his calling to bring up a next generations, would there be any adjustments you would need to make as a parent or a grandparent in your life? Maybe there's a place where you need to go first. Allowing God to change some of your priorities. Maybe a commitment on your part to become a person of deeper prayer and deeper study of God's word. Scripture says that God stands ready to join us. 
so that his name, his word, will not depart from the mouths of the generations to come. Father, I pray that you would work in us, your children, in such a powerful way that our children and our grandchildren will know who you are. They will know your word, your truth, and they will rise up and follow you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.